0: Podcast hosting for The Run With It podcast is provided by transistor.fm.
1: Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through
0: and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin.
1: You're going to be the janny. On today's show, we have Logan Christopher, and he aims to be a renaissance man. As a, as a performing strongman, he has pulled an 8,800-pound 8, truck by his hair, juggled a kettlebell that was lit on fire, supported half a ton on top of himself in a wrestler's bridge position, and routinely bends horseshoes and rips decks of cards in half. He teaches people how to do these things as well as more foundational fitness at Legendary Strength. He is also co-founder and CEO of Lost Empire Herbs, which aims to bring performance herbalism into everyday people's lives. So uh, welcome to the show, Logan. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to discuss this new idea.
1: Of course, of course. I got to give a quick call out to this movie. Uh, It's called Holes in His Shoes. Have you ever seen it? I don't think I have. It's about this, like, kind of apocryphal New Yorker guy who, his name's Jack Beers. And he, he like, came from poverty and, like, you know, was, like, the self-made dude. And that's kind of one of the things he started out as, like, back in, like, the...
2: Now that you mention it, I think I have seen that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing movie. He's he's a really cool character. He's, like, had a hand in, like, everything that ever happened in history and he started out as just like a strong man ripping phone books in half, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I trained with Warren Lincoln Travis, who was a, a famous one for a while. I tried to actually saw that not too long ago.
0: <laughs> I was Good also thinking, Ethan, as you were reading that bio, I love that, Logan, you call yourself a Renaissance man. That's one of the things that I, growing up, I always wanted to, I always aspired to be that myself. And this past weekend, the uh, Da Vinci exhibit was in Pittsburgh, and check that out, spent about Two hours going through everything. It's yeah.
2: <laughs> I'd be good at one thing, but not be good at everything. Yeah, <laughs> it, really,
0: it really makes you question your life when you see something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. If people want to learn more about Lost Empire herbs and legendary strength, there's a ton of information out there that they can search on Google and, and find more about. And we're going to have some time at the end of the podcast for you to talk more about that. Then, but this podcast is all about new ideas. You've got one that you're passionate about that you uh, think has some legs that you want to share with our listeners. So let's uh, kick things off by asking you to tell us about the problem that you're seeing.
2: Okay, this is really born out of my current businesses. It's kind of an evolution of where I see them going. So overall, the bigger, the grand mission is to kind of change the healthcare paradigm. What we have today in the U.S. certainly, but also other parts of the world, it's it's not so much health care as it is disease care. So the, the problem is the system as a whole. Uh, granted, there are some good parts. Like, yeah, overall, people are very healthy, but we do have a rising chronic illness. A lot of people are unhappy, like their mood's not supported. People are taking a bunch of pharmaceutical medicine, I I would argue much of it is not necessary. So these are some of the problems in the system. And it's not like I want to go back to, oh, just using herbs and nothing else. Uh, Some drugs absolutely do have their place. But how do we move forward to a a better system, a more holistic system that uh, supports people, not just with the acute illness, but chronic illness as well in a much better way?
0: Yeah, that's a a big problem to take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this is actually the the second time we're talking about healthcare here on the, the podcast. The first episode was with Shu Han He talking about how you can help translate doctor lingo for patients and doctors alike to help untangle the healthcare system and healthcare um, in hospitals. But this is as you framed it as the healthcare as opposed to disease care which is typically what we what we do in our hospitals i think we'll probably get to it in a little bit but
1: one one of the the huge the huge things to address here is you've got the pain point how do you get people paying for it we've got a system right now that sort of people kind of are used to and they use and there's the problems and there's the benefits but like sort of Buying in quote unquote to like a different system, I think is kind of what you're talking about, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, how do we turn this into a business? Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of organizations that tailor towards various types of alternative healthcare practitioners, right? And they may offer something like insurance or guidance or marketing information as far as helping them to have a thriving practice. But there's not really kind of an overarching organization that covers all different types of healthcare, conventional and alternative, as far as building something that can, by being a large association, have a bigger impact and possibly do such things that we see say, pharmaceutical companies do, where uh, they're able to pay for lobbyists and PR firms and whatnot. So a large association that then connects and somehow brings together all these different businesses, such as my own as a supplement company, that would be one thing, but many other things could be involved in here. If an association can do that, that can then build that higher leverage point, uh, that's where I think there is uh, a possibility of change.
0: I read recently that the FDA Maybe a decade or so stopped regulating supplements. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Um, so, yeah, the FDA still regulates supplements. The FDA has some issues. Um, so, they regulate drugs as well as supplements. They're not a super well funded organization. So, they don't have a ton of manpower to go out and check every single supplement person because Tomorrow you could decide to set set up a supplement company and contract to a third party manufacturer and whatnot. They do oversee everything, but they, it can't always be done. Though it it does happen. So one of our our suppliers uh, was recently audited, and we kind of work with them along with that as they went through an FDA audit on the process as far as good manufacturing processes. So the FDA does oversee supplements, and they pass laws and regulations. Part of the problem is there is what's known as a revolving door between the FDA and pharmaceutical companies as well as other regulatory agencies. So in essence, the fox is guarding the hen house, which is very problematic. <laughs> um, so it's it, to me, it's a slightly ironic that we have to follow all these rules in order to, you know, of course we want to have the best supplements out there and do everything according to regulation, but at the same time, some shady stuff is going on at the top. So that's a little bit of the lay of the land of the FDA.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. One side question that I want to bring up to to table that is the idea of some some listeners out there may question whether supplements are helpful at all. Whether you believe that they are helpful or not, a lot of people are taking them. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. I'm sure, Logan, you have plenty of examples of people who have benefited from Lost Empire Herbs and what you're doing Again, I don't want to turn this discussion into a uh, attack on, on the supplement industry. So I want to take that as a premise of, okay, this industry is is helping a lot of people. But as you're saying, there's an opportunity to create some more structure out there where the industry can get leverage to help more people. Is that basically it?
2: Yeah, I feel overall, there's a lot of people and let's just call it alternative health that are, they're certainly helping people out there. And yeah, some people can be skeptical of them. That's fine if they want to do that. But there's a lot out there. And it's, it's really kind of fractured or individual different pockets of people or even small associations. But there's no kind of overarching thing that can really help bring things together and uh, achieve kind of a bigger impact.
1: Yeah, some of the things uh, that were considered alternative and on the fringes, you know, say 50 years ago or 60 years ago are now just common practice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting sign towards kind of how the system is inherently slow, but also inherently maybe maybe as you might have indicated earlier, like overly skeptical um towards things that are not a part of the existing system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just something as simple as like vitamin D being useful, you know, <laughs> or taking <Yeah. laughs> t- having vitamins and minerals in your diet, you know. I, I remember watching uh I had never seen it. Oh, what's that movie? It's a movie with it's with movie with Marilyn Monroe, the one when she, where the famous one where she's like there's a part where she's standing over like a like a ventilation grate or something like that. Some like it hot. I think that's what it's called, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest movie in the world, but um <laughs> but there's the, the guy, the main character in the movie is like going to the he's trying to be vegetarian and they're making such hard fun of it, like as though you can really tell that like nobody's trying to be vegetarian back at that time, you know? He goes to the he goes to the diner and the woman's like, You want a soya bean burger? You know, and they just make it sound horrible and um and now of course like You know, you go to the doctor and they'll say, yeah, you've got a heart problem. We need you to be vegetarian. Like, it's going to really help you out. So, I don't know. I think in this, and I think I'm reading it correctly, maybe a little bit different than what Chris is saying. It's not just about supplements. It's it's kind of like changing the system. Like, that may incorporate more supplements than it used to, but it also might incorporate just different types of drugs. I'm also pretty positive there's drugs that are being kept off the market because they'll actually help you and it's less profitable, right?
2: Yeah, there's lots of different problems. I just came across a study in Germany where it looked at a whole bunch of drugs and over 50% of them provided no benefit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, people that are skeptical, I mean, yeah, be skeptical, but be skeptical of everything out there and kind of really look at it. So once you understand these reinforcing systems components, you see that just things – build up, they get stronger and no one wants to lose their position, right? So they consolidate power and that happens over time. So this has happened towards this, primarily the Western medical model, which is absolutely like the best thing for uh, acute trauma. Like my arm Mm -hmm. gets torn off in an accident. Mm -hmm. I want doctors pump me full of drugs, reattach the arm, good to do. (laughs) But if I have an autoimmune disease, doctors are not really doing much of Anything with that, and really what it comes down to is lifestyle, it's diet. It can be targeted key supplements. You also got to be aware of grouping all supplements together, just like not all drugs are the same, not all supplements are. So there can be a very wide degree of difference between the quality and also all the different effects that these different things can have.
0: So tell us a little bit more about the business idea itself. Let's uh, let's start diving into that.
2: Sure. Um, So this part does need to be more fleshed out. And I I think a big part of it is kind of understanding what would really be in it for the businesses, most of all, Uh, one of the things and I mentioned this a little bit there was that uh, health insurance, right? So the health insurance premiums are going up and up. up. Uh, Anyone that is in a business that is looking at offering health insurance to their employees, whether covering the uh, full benefits or uh, a part of that, just sees that this is a big, big number on the bottom line, uh, reflecting on the bottom line of their profit. So this is one area that I think there's some possibility, something that I've identified. There's this company called New Health, uh, K-N-E-W Health. um, and, And it's basically an health insurance alternative. I don't know that it's not technically health insurance, but it acts the same by having like cost sharing across a community. And one of the reasons that I've actually, I'm making the switch to doing this myself is their values are more in alignment with mine. Uh, One of the examples of that is that most drugs are sold in order to maximize uh, customer lifetime value. The best way to do that is you're on this drug, continue taking this drug every day for the rest of your life right? Right. That, that's a real good way to have a high customer lifetime value. Even better when that drug causes side effects that you then need to give another drug in order to treat those. But <laughs> that, That's kind of how it is. So anyway, so understand this. And once again, there are probably some drugs where that absolutely should happen with some sort of disorders, but something like a statinite, say for cholesterol, you can easily treat that with lifestyle and diet interventions, high blood pressure. Easily treat that with lifestyle and dietary interventions. Drugs Type, two are not-
0: diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, yeah. Yeah. giving people insulin for when they're already insulin resistant is crazy.
2: Right, yeah, and don't change the way you're eating at all. So, okay, so that is not the, the best use of drugs. And once again, there probably are cases where that is actually uh, the case. Um, but so this new health, this alternative cost-sharing community, uh, they will pay for drugs, but not for longer than like three or four months. Right. So, yeah, maybe you just had a heart attack and there might be a time when you take a statin just for a short period of time. But then it should be up to lifestyle interventions, which a health coach or various uh, various health businesses may be helping a person with. Um, Then the insurance no longer covers that. And that's better. And that means that they're charging a lot less for premiums because they don't have to cover these things that would be ongoing never-ending sort of cost so they're able to bring the insurance premium down significantly which can save individuals money but also businesses if they were to offer this to their people so this is like one area that i've began to investigate i know that most people have never heard of anything like this um, so could this association help uh, get this going and make it even better in different ways so if you have health conscious companies already health conscious businesses who recognize that the system has some flaws and they are looking for some opportunity because it's a good thing to have insurance. You have that ca- catastrophic incident, you want to have some insurance there unless you're just like a millionaire sitting on cash, right? You you need to have that kind of coverage for that uh, eventuality.
0: So just to to make it very clear for our listeners here, the main concept that you're putting out there is an association that's going to bring together alternative healthcare providers. Yes. Correct. Right. And one of the members that can be in this association would be a health insurance company, similar to what you talked about, where they are actually incentivizing you to get better as opposed to incentivizing you to spend as much money as possible with them.
2: Yeah. So not necessarily a member, though, possibly they would be involved. It could be like a, a sponsorship or this would be one that benefits. So if you have these, uh, these alternative health companies that are um, paying to be a member of this association—what is the association giving them for this membership money? Right, you know that's how that's how business works. So one of these things would be possibly help around these alternative or different insurance options that are out there, offering something like this. Even if only some of the employees wanted to take that, that could save the company money and therefore pay for the membership. The, to the association, that'd be one idea of uh, a possible benefit that could be in there. There could also be other benefits. Just brainstorming some ideas, um, some sort of like marketing and business help. You know, most people get into business. A lot of small business owners, anyway. You know, they're passionate about a subject without necessarily understanding all the the business, the marketing, the finances behind that. So there could be some sort of educational component along with that as well. Uh, Down the line, if this was being successful, obviously, like conferences, live events, that sort of thing. Um, This is an area that I'm not 100% clear on what this would need to be fleshed out to really is like, okay, what are all the benefits such an association uh, could give to a company that pays to be part of the uh, organization?
1: I'm going to throw something out there just because it's on my mind and see if it's it's involved here at all. Um, You know, one thing I was thinking about recently is... Because, because, like we said, the, the drug companies, like their, their organizations are incentivized to create products just that are profitable, right? They may not, they may keep you on it for a long time. There may be some side effects that they don't care about, you know, so on and so forth. I'm wondering if the system changes a little bit. And I don't, don't think I see this out there that much, but it's almost like crowdfunded drug development, for example. Right. Or crowdfunded solution development for particular problems. Um one reason that comes into mind is uh I saw this on Shark Tank actually. A guy had created these nasal filters. And uh it it was just like it was it kind of looks ridiculous. You pasted it on your nose and it would help filter the air that went went in and out of your nose. And um and the guys on Shark Tank were like, Oh, this is a stupid. They they all just like laughed at the guy. And then they said, What are your revenue numbers? And he was like oh, it's like millions of dollars. And they're like, oh, what, what the hell? Like, and then they all wanted a piece of it. And basically one of the things that he said surrounded about way of getting to this is he said he had thought about selling this to a pharmaceutical company, this product. Basically it helped people with allergies. That was one of the huge things it did. You could put it in your nasal passages and it was like your allergies were much, much, much improved. And, um, they talked to him about selling it to pharmaceutical companies. He said he didn't want to mm-hmm. because he said he was almost a hundred percent positive the pharmaceutical company would buy it, buy the patent and sideline it yeah. because it wouldn't be as profitable as, as, uh, as other, you know, you know, drugs that they had developed and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. But so you can imagine if you had like things like that, that were, that were developed for, for allergies or something where there was an or maybe there's an organization which promotes this type of development of solutions, healthcare solutions where the people are having the pain and they can contribute money to towards development directly. And so there's, they have actually more control over how it's distributed. Maybe it's just a one time thing that they just paid for a one time and it doesn't have to be this thing that lasts forever and you know, supports a, an ongoing business. I'm just throwing this in there. I don't know if it's along exactly the lines of what we were talking about so far. Do you see that kind of thing fitting into what you're foreseeing or am am I reading too much into the... Into I, I, I,
2: I had not considered crowdfunding development towards certain things, but uh, absolutely that could be a part of it. It'd be interesting. Uh, this association... I feel like having it focused toward the the businesses themselves and being able to provide benefits is the probably the, the best way to make this a business self-funded business itself by the right. potentially once you grow a certain size, also just having it as an organization that's also reaching out to individual consumers as well and having maybe some sort of options like crowdfunding uh, for certain development things, then having that kind of information or that funding available. And then with the network of businesses that are involved with it, then it's like, okay, we have this, who wants to develop it? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely potential for something like that.
1: Yeah. But that'd be more of a sideline thing. So, so the primary benefit is to business owners, um, who want to be part of that organization and get help, um, to be part of a better system. Right.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's it. Cause I, I, I know a lot of, uh, health practitioners and business owners in the different, in the space. And really there is no overarching thing that kind of unites them. A lot of them see these problems. They're helping people in these alternative ways that are not necessarily even recognized in the mainstream at all. So how do you bring them together in a way that helps unite the people, benefits them. And ultimately, you know, depending on what sort of uh, membership fee was charged and it could be tiered based on the, the revenues of the business
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was one idea. Then eventually, this organization could grow to the point where they are, you know, hiring PR firms and lobbyists and whatnot. So that—that's what right. really the ultimate point. The thing with this business idea, it, it wouldn't work as like a six-figure business, right? It'd uh-huh. be, I mean, you'd have to start and get someplace, but really, where this once this really starts working, it has to be big—like eight figures, big, yeah. nine figures. <laughs> right? It, it right. needs to be big to really kind of have. To achieve the mission,
1: right to fight fire with fire, as it were, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I don't see another way of changing things. I mean, yeah. changing individual people's opinions and right. uh, education around the idea of you know taking back control of our health because uh, I really feel it's been abdicated to doctors. Right, they're the authority figures; they know everything. You just listen to them, and they'll take care of your health for you. How's that working out for you? Uh, (laughs) For most people, not too well, right? So there's that individual education point. But really, because I see business as a key way of leverage, if we can unite these different businesses together, I think that's where the big potential lies.
0: Perfect. One one of the uh, benefits that I can see coming from an organization like this would be legitimacy in the eyes of a business owner, right? If you have a small business and you're interested in alternative health, right now it's uh you'd have to piece together your own solutions for these different aspects mm-hmm. and if you have this this association where all these alternative health providers are together then you could find a package that's relatively easy that you can just sign up for without having to think about too much
2: yeah Yeah, I think having some sort of badge that people can put on their websites or tell the story and share it and show what they're going for, I think that would help. Uh, A a similar idea is 1% for the Planet. I'll share the parallels here. So for people not familiar with 1% for the Planet, this was founded by... Yvonne Schoenard, who is the founder of Patagonia. And the idea is that kind of like it's an environmental tax. You're taking 1% of the revenue of a business and paying it forward into these environmental-based charities. So 1% for a planet itself is not a charity, but is, I believe it's actually a for-profit business, Um, but they just connect all these business owners with all these charities and make sure that the pass-through happens. And then when you're a part of this, you get to put the 1% for the planet logo on all your labels. You can use it in your marketing and whatnot. And because it's a large organization, a large association, there's recognition behind this. And people can be, oh, you're part of that, you know. So you understand, like immediately, once a consumer grasps that they understand that this person is you know giving forward to these different charities that's helping support the planet in this different way. So if this association could build that same sort of uh, awareness around it, then it could be helping uh, those consumers to make their buying choices with who they're spending money with uh, based on being part of this organization.
0: I want to add to, to that because that's exactly where my mind was going too. Uh, the amount of time that people spend searching for uh, for supplements, alternative healthcare providers, they, their desire is there. They spend a lot of time looking for it, but without some sort of label or organization telling them... These ones are ones that you can trust. It makes that search that search time much longer, and makes the decision making much more difficult. So, just from uh, lost productivity of the uh, of all these people, that's a lot of time that's being invested time that they could be uh, reading, spending with their family, uh, working, whatever. So that's a that's a huge benefit that's difficult to quantify.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was going to just say that the that the model that you mentioned is one that seems to be working well like people look on labels of packages and they see things like this and they are willing to pay a little bit more because it's uh something that seems to align with their values you know so that's an interesting that's an interesting ingredient for sure
0: yeah,
2: yeah so uh, we touched on this like the trend is more and more people are moving or at least investigating the alternative things Uh, that are out there. So something like meditation that was laughed at by so many people 30 years ago, uh, you know, it's just that hippie crap that some people do is now a mainstream thing that so many people are aware of um, it, helping a lot of people practice it. There's lots of signs showing the benefits of it. Right. So what are the things right now that a lot of people are laughing at? Uh, but, you know, 30 years from now will be part of the mainstream. So more people are moving in this alternative medicine direction. Again, not necessarily to say, you know, we're not using Western medicine anymore, but how do we move forward in a way that takes the best of the alternative Alternative With the conventional together. And so if more and more people are doing this, where the trend is going, then more consumers will be looking for. It. And if at some point the consumers are understanding this need for change and what an organization such as this could do, just the more power it could lend to such an organization.
1: What do you see as competition to this? Is there something? Is it just the existing system? Is is there something taking on the same approach?
2: Yeah, so the existing system is certainly the competition. Like the pharmaceutical companies, as you were saying, they they would sideline a product that uh, maybe competes with their own. Um, So there may be certain things that are being done in order to keep things Certain alternative medicine practices down. I'll give an example. This was way back in the 80s, but the American Medical Association, the AMA, this was literally a court case. They lost. They were conspiring to destroy the chiropractic profession. So yeah, things like that absolutely do happen. But as far as competition, like I said, I, there are a whole bunch of associations out there, but usually it's around like practitioners of a certain thing, like an association for acupuncturists, Plenty of those probably out there. Um, And uh, there's probably associations for supplement companies, but I don't see any association that's really trying to cover the breadth of uh, alternative health that is out there. And I think that's one of the main things that could, that differentiates this from anything else.
1: Just, I'm trying, I keep trying to think of like what would be a good name for it, because I think that might clarify for me, you know, also what's going on with it. Are you thinking along the lines of like, 1% 1% for health, like 1% for the planet is? Or is it like the alternative healthcare network? Or do, do you have any sort of vision I, of?
2: I haven't thought of names so much, just kind of a, as I've been thinking around the systems is the the new health paradigm. Uh, uh-huh. But that's not yes. necessarily a good name for an organization. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely up in the air. But I, I do feel you, the right kind of name would solidify the idea and hopefully Mm -hmm. uh, give it like immediate impact to people's like, oh, that sounds like something I want to be part of.
1: Right.
0: Okay. So we've got this business idea kind of honed in on, which is bringing together an association of alternative medicine businesses, practitioners. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk too much about monetizing or validating it, but we did mention that you think that it's going to be a nine figure, this needs to be a nine figure organization. It's not something that you can do as a,
2: To really have the bigger level impact, like it it could be a small thing, but yeah, to really get out there, it would, it has to be big.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I don't want to spend too much time speculating on membership dues. I I think people can, maybe that could be a task for our listeners, an action to uh, look up what typical membership dues are for organizations like this. So in that vein, I want to move along to actions that our listeners can take to get some traction on this idea what do you have in mind?
2: So I feel the first thing is some more fact finding around this, right? So like I said, I I looked at different associations a little bit. Maybe there is something like this out there. I'd be very curious to see that kind of get a better lay of the land. But I feel that one of the most important things to really kind of validate this idea is going out to business owners that are in the health space, asking them one, if you can lay out the like vision, the mission of what this is trying to do, does this sound like something they'd like to be a part of? And perhaps more importantly, like what are the benefits you'd want to see from being in such an organization? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that part can be much more fleshed out and that's going to be one of the key things. So you know, if it's a real small, like you're paying $100 or $1,000 a year and potentially like I said, I-, I think a tiered level, so depending on the revenue of the business, that's Smaller business pays a small amount, larger business pays a larger amount. Uh, that's pretty typical as far as uh, membership dues for organizations. But yeah, what are the different benefits that can be delivered that are going to make people want to be a part of this? Not just the mission itself, because this could potentially be a nonprofit, but if it's a for-profit business, you got to do quid pro quo. You know, what are the benefits you're going to give me for me being part of this? Mm-hmm. And I feel that part can be very much fleshed out and find out by talking to the business owners themselves, find out what would make them want to be a part of it.
1: Right. So, I'm, and I'm trying to think maybe I'm, I'm out there, I'm one of the listeners and I'm trying to get started and I do, I, I go do some interviews of, of providers and the question I ask them might be something around what are the biggest problems that you face because of the entrenched healthcare system, Right. Just getting that knowledge from them without priming them about what, what it's supposed to be or what you think it is. And then, you know, saying, well, you know, what if there was a global organization or a national organization, at least to help combat these problems by bring, by powering people and bringing them together. I feel like if you got consistent answers from those business owners, they, they'd be like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Right.
2: Yeah, well, here, here's an example. It would definitely have to be a big organization in order to do this, but what if the uh, insurance laws could be changed? So what insurance covers is not just standard conventional Western medicine. I mean, some of the insurance will pay for something like acupuncture, massage, uh, typically only if it's ordered by the doctor around some sort of specific thing. But what if all massage and all chiropractic, all acupuncture, energy medicine, What if my supplements, the different herbs that I sell, were actually covered by insurance that would Mm -hmm. transform these industries, it would uh, make things very big. So what if that could actually be put into law? If there's a well-funded organization that can hire lobbyists that can be doing this and fight against what the uh, pharmaceutical industry would likely be doing in combating that, then that could cause huge change. And that, that changes a key uh, structure point of the system, which would then change how the interactions of the different loops and how things are reinforced and balanced begin to happen.
1: I'm seeing quote unquote evidence based medicine. Like that's sometimes people use that to describe the traditional system, but we're actually talking about let's look at evidence based medicine as, as the actual term. What does it mean? So that proof would be in the pudding of an, of a type of insurance company that could offer that type of coverage. Uh, for alternative medicines to, and, and, you know, look at the numbers of their members, you know, like what kind of health figures do we have on the people that are, are paying for our insurance? You know, are they healthier on average? Are they actually having to spend less on healthcare in, in the long run? You know, um, I think it'd be very interesting to take it, take that approach towards it, like an evidence-based approach tracking that the people that are a lot, maybe even just allowed to use their health care dollars the way they like to or something. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that that would be very, yeah. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. That would be very interesting.
2: No, I, I feel that's an important point because once you did get some members in this organization by looking at things, and could be health insurance or just health effects of the different thing. Granted, a lot of variables involved here, but you can kind of uh, build some proof, build some case studies of things that are going on, which then once you have that, easier to continually expand, get the ball rolling.
0: An interesting company who uh, I know is already partnering with some of the bigger players out there, Fitbit. My wife's company, Shell, and my former company, they would give all the employees Fitbits, and if you hit a certain number of steps per day, then you got a financial reward. And that's a relatively new thing, but I can mm-hmm. see someone like Fitbit, they clearly don't fit into the traditional medicine mm-hmm. framework, but they are very much aligned with trying to get more people moving and and I don't know if you want to call it alternative, but definitely not the pharmaceutical approach.
2: Right. right? Yeah, there's definitely... More technology and AI also can fit into this. One example um, there's a company I want to call, say it's Health IQ. I could be getting this wrong, but it's a life insurance company. So a bit different than the uh, health insurance, but they use AI and like a really in depth questionnaire based on uh, all all different questions that they've kind of validated over time uh, to determine kind of your health level. And based on that, they can then offer you lower premiums than you would get at a standard insurance company where they're using some really antiquated health measurements to uh, measure what you're doing. So there's an idea of, once again, how can we bring down the cost because we can use technology in a way or uh, change the structure of something in order to better meet the needs of people that want to be healthier themselves and are actually working at doing so.
1: So I was thinking before about okay, how am I gonna be a listener and try this out? I'm gonna go to like the local chiropractor, I'm gonna go to the local health food store or something like this and start looking looking into what are their problems. But now that you mentioned like Fitbit, I mean I'd say go to Fitbit and Quest Bar. Huge successful businesses that are they're not they're not necessarily battling the healthcare industry, but I bet you they have some aspect where they they would be up for contributing to the fight because it actually might be aligned with their missions, you know?
0: Yeah. And they I, have the money to invest in, in things like this, right? Yeah. I also know that Fitbit is funding studies on uh, on sleep, on mm-hmm. other aspects of health. I, I'm most familiar with the sleep one because I try and sign up for the beta every time I can. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's to me. It's a twofold approach. Where yes, go after the the big guys, but I think that there are going to be a lot of the the smaller players who are going to be willing to talk to you, and and those people can give you a lot of insights into the day to day struggles that you face. So maybe Logan, I mean, you're if someone were to ask you that question of what are some of the challenges that you face, you talked about a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but now that we've got all this context. What would you say?
2: Yeah, so the the whole health insurance examples <laughs> comes from a, a personal place as far as looking at the cost. Like right now in our company, we feel our expenses have grown a little bit. So we're trying to rein those in and just looking at all the different places where there's potential for cutting, then going and growing this company because we didn't have any idea what we were doing in the beginning. So just having some help as far as better understanding finances and Uh, all the different aspects of supplement manufacture and sourcing and all of that. Um, Some of the organizations we're part of now, like the American Herbal, I'm forgetting the name, AHPA, uh, but they have lots of educational webinars and whatnot, which have been helpful in in setting up and bettering our systems as far as quality control and whatnot. So uh, those are some of the things that I think could similarly be done with this sort of association.
0: How many potential members do you think are out there?
2: Oh, it's, it's a lot. If you're thinking just like alternative health in a very broad way, whether that's from Fitbit to the local chiropractor uh, to every single supplement or health food manufacturer out there, like there's, there's a lot of potential. And that's why I see this as one of the things that can potentially make a difference, right? Because if you could have an association that unites these people, it could potentially have the same sort of leverage that the pharmaceutical industry does at this time. So. Thousands and thousands and thousands.
1: So it's it, it's like a a multi tiered approach, and there's there's like education, there's an educational aspect, and it's it's support, and and then on the other side, it's kind of like lobbying and and direction, right? And, and it's like 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 a like organizational direction, bringing people together around a shared mission, yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, I, I think it needs to be approached in phases. So, you know, what are the things that can be done right away? How do we kind of validate this idea and hit the ground running, uh, get some businesses signed up? And I, based on the discussion around Fitbit, right, Like, I think getting a few key big players involved um, would be very helpful in the beginning Then, you know, signing up a whole bunch of smaller people, uh, individual practitioners and whatnot. And that way it kind of building that. And then from there going on to the next phase where uh, maybe we can begin to look at changing legislation. That is a, a big thing, right? So, that's definitely not phase one.
0: <laughs> As I'm thinking about this, what about someone like Nike or Under Armour, right? they exactly Their mission is aligned with, with getting people moving, getting people healthy. So, yeah. I, I think that if you frame it correctly, then you can really expand the potential organization to a lot of big companies out there who can help finance the different events and in different educational pieces that we're talking about here. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And this is one reason why I considered this, it could be a for-profit business, but also potentially a nonprofit. uh, Because then with a nonprofit, right, getting donations from a company tends to be a little easier uh, to do than just you know, getting money, giving you money for whatever reason. Uh, So that's one idea that could be fleshed out. Potentially, this organization could be split. So there's a for-profit and a non-profit wing where certain uh, research projects or like working to change legislation that could be under a non-profit thing where companies may be more willing to part with money uh, to do so.
0: So if I were to corral these actions that we can put together for our listeners here. First thing that comes to mind is reach out to alternative medicine practitioners, uh, companies, and start asking them what their challenges are in getting more customers, what their challenges are in facing traditional medicine companies. So that's that's one. Two would be some sort of outreach to some of these larger companies and I'm separating them because they're going to be completely different tactics, right? Likely, right? You may have to create some sort of video or, or something to get the attention of Nike, uh, whereas you might be able to get by with an email to someone like Logan. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that's you know the only way to do it, but. Those are the two big things that come to mind is, is outreach to the smaller alternative medicine companies and, and outreach to some of these bigger companies and, and try and really extract the, the ideas and the problems that they have and then uh, summarize it for us. That's, that's a good bit of work.
2: Yeah. And I would say one other thing to kind of solidify the overarching mission or vision of what such an organization could do to be able to properly convey that to people Uh, Before getting uh, feedback from them, especially like the, I'd say with the bigger companies, right? It's like, do you buy into this vision? Is this somewhere you want our planet to go? Essentially, because if you can get that, then people will be more willing to help.
1: What I love about the bigger organizations, the more we talk about it, and the more I think about like people being sort of members of it, both as uh, just someone who needs the help and support on a small level, but also. People who just want to be a member of it because it is in alignment with with what works well for their business, you know. I mean, this extends beyond like Fitbit and, and Nike to like Patagonia or something like this, right? Any business that makes outdoor active equipment, you know, like because what it is – if I go for a hike every Saturday, my health is going to be better. And what do I need? Some hiking boots, right? So – I think that there's uh, it, it, there's there's actually quite a breadth of possibility depending on how it's structured to get get more organizations and in, in, of those larger organizations involved as well. Yeah,
2: there there is a drawback to the, the one of the difficulties. One of the things in business is generally by niching down you can better serve people. Right. So if we're right. trying to make this so broad, that makes it difficult to necessarily be able to offer benefits that most people would uh, necessarily mm. care about. Um, right. So it's kind of a catch twenty two. Have to decide. Uh, what is the proper route. And that's, that's why I feel kind of the weakness in what I'm saying here is I'm not 100% clear on what those benefits would necessarily be. But yeah, the more you can get buy-in from eventually the whole world on this idea, that's when things really do change.
0: Right. right, And right. and that clarity of what those benefits would be comes as a result of interviewing many people who are facing this problem every day. Yeah, so absolutely. with that, I think uh, it's a good time for us to kind of wrap up here so listeners you've heard this idea from logan christopher it's uh it's a big idea but we've given you some action steps that you can start with to whittle this down uh so take action email us at update at runwithit.fm with what you've done as a result of this podcast we're going to select a listener to uh earn a free mentorship call with logan a one-hour call logan's a seven-figure entrepreneur so That's valuable time right there. I should also say everyone who does email us will get exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers where you can learn from each other and collaborate more on on future ideas. The big thing that we try and emphasize here is the ideas themselves, we're bringing you half-baked ideas, admittedly. But (laughs) part of the the, uh, journey of entrepreneurship is to take half-baked ideas and put them on the road and, and test them out. So that's, that's the only way you're going to learn. And um, if you do so, you're going to impress Logan and you'll have a good chance at a valuable mentorship session. So Logan, thank you so much for, for this call. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Tell us a little bit about, about your business, whatever you'd like.
2: Yeah. So if people are interested in seeing more, uh, I'd head out head on over to LostEmpireHerbs.com. You can see what we're doing in the health space with the the supplements that we sell and how we're helping people over there. Tons of information available. Uh, And if you're interested in more of the strength training, you heard some of the wacky feats of strength that I do, but I also cover slightly more basic stuff, bodyweight exercises, kettlebells and whatnot. Uh, That's over at LegendaryStrength.com. Two good places to find me. And of course, I'm on the various social medias. You can find me there. Just search my name
0: great. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Logan, and looking forward to talking again soon.
2: Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks a lot.
0: Take care.
1: Now it's time for
0: you to run with it.
1: Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and
0: potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead
1: is getting started.